Hello, 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 and welcome to Rad Talk, where sports and medicine collide. I'm Dennis, and my wonderful co-host, Gage. And on today's episode, we're going to get a get a little bit more into traveling. Dennis is going to talk about lodging specifically. Uh, we have a couple Reddit questions, uh, topics, you know, we want to get to. Um, and then we're going to get to my favorite segment, which is, you know, the fun question at the end. So we'll go ahead and I'll let Dennis get started talking about uh, traveling. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about living, lodging, whatever you want to call it. Um, we, I kind of talked a little bit about it last time and in prior episodes. I think, you know, people choose to live differently when they're on the road. I've, I know I've lived in a lot of different places, a lot of found, tra- found spaces to live in a lot of different ways. Some of the ways that I found them, um, I go to, you go to the website, Airbnb, you go to uh, VRBO even sometimes. Furnish Finder is probably my favorite one just because I know that I'm coming in. They have a set rate. Usually in Furnish Finder, it's a minimum stay of 30 to 30 to 90 days. So they know that you're going to stay for a month or two months or three months or longer. And so I think the most important thing you can do with your lodging, your living, is to have a spiel ready. And I think as whether you're a, a travel CT or x-ray MRI or whatever, whatever you do traveling wise, um, I think that you want to say, explain to them. Usually I say like, hi, my name's Dennis. I'm a travel nurse because as a person who owns the property, they know, most people know travel nurse. If I say I'm a travel sonographer or I'm a travel yeah, technologist, they're going to be like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? And so I don't, I'm not trying to create more questions for them. I'm trying to have them understand it under accept what I'm telling them know that like, wow, okay, this is what I want because is a, is a renter is a rentee. I think you want to, I want to get paid. I don't want you to ruin my stuff. Mm-hmm. I yeah. want you to be there for a limited time. I don't want you to start squatting on me what you know whatever that is and so and i know travel nurse like most people have heard like oh travel nurse okay so like they're going to be here for x yeah. amount of time if you've been to the hospital especially you know the the demographics um if somebody older owns the property and they've had lots of hospital visits they might have encountered travel nurses mm-hmm. whereas if you had you know your person who did your ct exam you might see for a minute or you know for 10 minutes, five minutes, and you might not have that conversation with, oh, yeah, I'm just here. I come and go. So you don't know if you don't know that exists, then then, um, you know, something you don't know. And so I say, I'm Dennis. I'm a travel nurse. Um, I, I've been traveling for X amount of time. So you give them like confidence that. Yeah. OK, this isn't your my you're not my first stay. And, and uh, when I'm looking to move in. The duration of my stay the hospital that I'll be working at. And so that gives them some more confidence of, okay, he's working at a hospital. So, you know, if you're working for a hospital, you have a background check, you've been vetted. You don't have any, um, usually crazy red flags. Yeah. 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 yeah, Red flags, I guess, uh, in, in the legality world, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And so they know that, so you're vetted by the hospital. I know I'm probably going to get paid. Um, you say, I don't have an, I don't travel with any pets personally. So I think you would tell them like, I have a, a snout like whatever you have or a cat or whatever and so you just put everything out there and so i feel like i've had the most success with that i've you know i've used other ways and said hey you know can i stay at your place from this day to this date and sometimes i don't get responses but i feel Mm -hmm. like by having that pre-made spiel i get so many more responses and i think i go ahead of the line. And I, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like I go ahead of the line in some facets than others. I also, um, one of the places that I was able to find was also on Facebook, which it was kind of like a, a godsend for me because I was looking on Airbnb. I was looking on Furnished Finder, couldn't find anything, had posted to travel nursing um, Facebook groups, travel scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's a huge one too, is if you're on Facebook, Join as many travel nursing, travel sonographer, travel x-ray, travel, whatever you, I mean, nomad, nomad life groups that you can and post it out, post it out there. And also use that Facebook search 
to search and see if anybody else has posted and said, Hey, like I have a place in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, would anybody want to stay here kind of a thing. And so I posted it out to the world on one of the travel groups and a homeowner reached out to me and she had like a condo and it was like 15 minutes from the hospital that I was working at fully furnished, beautiful, actually one of the nicest beds I'd ever slept on. I think it was like yeah. a like $10,000, like sleep Tempur-Pedic mattresses, yeah. whatever it was phenomenal. Like it had all the settings, whatever. And so I loved her. I loved her and loving her place. She actually, um, I, a lot of times, sometimes I'll get to see the place and sometimes I blindly, like if I'm really feeling like I, I'm, I don't know, like I've been in a hotel for a bit or whatever, like whatever it is, I'll just accept it. Cause Probably. I know that yeah. If, yeah, if you don't, if you don't say like, let's go, somebody else might say, let's go. And so like, and that's the travel world that we live in, like housing, Furnished housing is hard to come by. And, and, and I mean, you I know other people who have gone the other route where they rent an apartment and then they'll go and rent the bed, the, all the furniture, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I think I've never gone that route, but I feel like um, it's pricey because you have to have them come out, deliver all the furniture. You have to, you have to make sure you take good care of it, obviously, because you want to say, yeah, because then you could get back. double charged. Yeah, like if it's got a bunch of stains or, or whatever. Obviously, you, you don't want to stain anybody's stuff in general. But if you're if you if you do, I guess they, you know, it's on the homeowner that's allowing you to stay there. And maybe they charge you the cleaning fee, and, and that kind of covers whatever issues you may have done or whatever. Yeah. But taking it back, if it's new furniture, I, I mean, I feel like they might upcharge you even more, and so you're going to be paying more money. And then I think it's worth in your time. And so I also highly, highly recommend I've used Airbnb and what you want to do classic. there. Yeah. 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 And, and what you're getting do out of hand though, aren't they with all their, I know they're getting a lot of hot water for a whole bunch of fees and it's just becoming yeah. more expensive than if you just go to a hotel. Whereas in the beginning, the whole point of Airbnb was that it was more convenient and it was a little bit cheaper than a hotel. Right. I, I think, I think, and I think, it's probably comparative to a hotel at this point. I think you stay at an Airbnb because you have like versus a hotel. It's not just one big building. Like it's usually like its own place or house or whatever it is. I think where you can, and this is where I think the spiel comes into play so much more because I've used Airbnb. And what I do is I say literally the same spiel that I would say to the furnish finder. Like I'm a travel nurse. I would be here for this amount of days. I'm not just staying for a week. This is not just a vacation for me. I'm not going to yeah. go stay in a place for some vacation. I'm going to be working at the hospital. These are the days I'll be working, like or what, whatever you want to say to make them the homeowner feel more comfortable. And and usually I say, you know, is this rate negotiable? And sometimes if you they have it built into Airbnb that after if you stay greater than seven days or whatever that duration is, the homeowner gives an X amount percentage of a discount which sometimes that discount is significant, but sometimes that dis discount still isn't justifying you not staying in the hotel. And so I think that's where when you reach out and say, hey, I'll be staying there for 13 weeks, 14 weeks, six months, whatever it is, would you be willing to take, and maybe you can throw out a number that kind of starts that conversation and say, okay, like, you know, so now they know that, okay, I've got a renter at the hospital, I've yeah. got, I'm renting out my house for three, for three months. I will have somebody in there guaranteed guaranteed yeah. versus somebody who, you know, I might rent it for a couple of days here, a week here, depending on where you're at. Maybe you're not in like a location that you get a lot of like awesome rent. You're not in, you know, Miami, Hawaii, certain mm -hmm. spot or whatever it is. And so people aren't like chomping at the bit to rent out your property. And so now I know I'm rented out for three months my place isn't like an awesome place to live at. Like it's got a television, it's got a bed, it's got, doesn't have like a hot tub or, or all the necessities. Things. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. It just got the essential things that like make sense for somebody who's a traveler. My, my, my property's kind of close to the hospital. And so that's your like big selling point um, to the staff. And so I think that's where you have the spiel, you set it out. You put a price tag and if you sometimes and it kind of it's kind of tough with the, I'm not going to go into the negotiating style because if you throw out a price and they accept it, then you're like, oh, I'll shot myself in the foot. Should have gone lower. Yeah. Should have gone lower. But but it, I think if you're if you're willing to throw out a price into the Ethereum 
I think that you should be ready for that, except if they, if they do it and, and kind of live with that. Um, I think otherwise, otherwise I would, uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it just makes sense to, to try to either throw out or, or not throw out, but having that conversation, that's where you're going to get possibly that lower price because yeah. anybody, everybody knows if you buy in bulk, the price kind of goes a little bit down. And so mm-hmm. I'm staying longer. So they're more likely to do it. I mean, I the worst they can say is no, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And, the, the worst, try. and I've come back, I've thrown out, I've thrown out, you know, the psychology, the, the low ball prices yeah, and just, and see what they say. I mean, you don't want to offend somebody because people will get offended about the, about the prowl if you go ridiculously low. But I, I think if you leave that off and maybe they start the conversation and they say, sometimes they've, I've had places take off, you know, that were expensive, take off like $700 a month. Yeah. Which is like, like that's a Substantial. lot. Substantial. Yeah. 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 For, for where I'm paying monthly, if you took off $700, like that's, that's huge. Um, and, and, and I think there, in the other avenue that I've also done, so I've done that uh, quite a bit for years. Another avenue that I did, uh, and, and this is kind of an interesting one that, that you kind of think of it like uh, maybe like a retirement thing that people do is, is I've also been in a camper. I, yeah. uh, I, I bought a truck and I bought a camper and I traveled in a camper for three years, which I think is if if you're really into getting into like the nomad lifestyle, I think a camper makes perfect sense. I think if you have pets, you want to talk about something that makes the most amount of sense. Like if you can get a camper, whether it's an RV or a class B, class A, class C, whatever, whatever fits you mm-hmm. most financially or for what you, what you need. Cause you can have all the pets you want. They usually, a lot of places have dog parks on the campgrounds. The yeah. really nice ones have, you know, they have pools, they have hot tubs, they have, um, all, you know, checkers boards, chess boards. Mm-hmm. I've seen at places that had nothing, which was great too, because if you have a TV, you don't necessarily need, like you can use your, they have devices that you can, if you want to watch TV, you can hook your telephone into the TV and it'll stream stuff straight from your phone into oh, yeah. the TV. So if you want to watch TV. So like, and there's so many other, like, you're not, you're not completely like they're like you know like how is it was it like yeah, living, yeah you're like yeah. living like how's it like living completely off the grid and I'm like like I don't know like the hot tub's great like yeah <laughs> um I mean, it's so a campground think, guys it's not like yeah it's a campground guys we're not like, and we're not in a movie deliverance where we're just taking yeah. a wrong turn in like rural <laughs> yeah, Kentucky or something I'm not out eating berries in the middle of the yeah like, trying to survive but how does uh, it uh, how does it compare um money wise you know living on a camp like paying the camp uh fee or whatever it's called yeah, to live so on the campground I, so i can give like some crazy examples and this is so i've been doing this a while so like one of the first campgrounds that i stayed in maybe 29 28 2019 or something like that 2018 um it was for to stay at the spot it was 370 375 dollars a month was that in springfield <laughs> so that was yeah that was oh, wow. in a springfield yeah. uh in a springfield location yeah. somewhere in the united states um yeah. uh, and so it, it talk about and that include water sewer trash electric and it had uh, a bathhouse not the nicest of bathhouses sometimes you showered with frogs yeah but for, three, for 400 bucks a month you know or literally 400 bucks a month and you could um <clears throat> You, I mean, you get a gym, I, and that's another thing. I, you know, it's like get a gym membership. Like, go to plan, get a ten dollar yeah. fitness gym membership. I think a lot of truckers do that. They get a gym membership, and they'll just shower at the gym. And yep. if you want to work out, you know, do whatever. But I think that's like one of the smartest things you can do is you get that gym membership, and you go there and you shower and you get your things done. You brush, you know, you do all your stuff, and and uh, and and then you don't have to shower. Or if you, I had a camper as well that had that had a shower. I just you get so much more my camper my shower was not the largest shower mm-hmm. so for me to be in there and then like the hot water wouldn't last the longest and so i would go and shower in the bathhouses. and some of the bathhouses were dude, they were so nice um, one of the more expensive places i stayed in a place in colorado that was like 1800 dollars a month where i 
yeah, which I ended up finding an apartment there on a, on the Facebook, on Facebook that I used, that was the same price. That was, that was the nice one with the bed and everything yeah. like that. So I was probably getting, uh, you know, screwed royally on that one. And then when I was in Los Angeles, I stayed at a campground that was 1400, 14, $1,500 a month. But um, I was talking to my coworkers who were also travelers <clears> and they're paying three grand. Oh yeah. To stay in Los Angeles. So I'm like, I'm yeah. like, man, this is $1,500 a month. This is super <clears> expensive, but you have to remember where you are like $1,500 a month in Los Angeles. Like it, it's, it's not as expensive. It's, yeah. It's a steal versus, and that one, that campground had uh, two, had a gym, had a dog park. Uh, movies were actually shot there. So sometimes you'd be driving in and they'd be like shooting different movies there. And so, I mean, but that's like, that's Los Angeles, it's Hollywood. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> and so you have a plethora of like different prices that you, will have i think a campground is going to be the the cheaper one but you're also you know if you're buying a camper then you have the expensive yeah. the yeah. rv or the camper along with if you're tr- maintaining if you're, it yes yeah, all that other stuff it, the tires the blah 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 <clears throat> and then if you have a, a truck that you're pulling it with like it, yeah. it can be a, it can be a hassle like hooking everything up and 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 traveling from coast <clears throat> to coast on this with this giant camper but i mean it's uh it's also a fun thing too, because being that the contracts are 13 weeks, it can be a hassle. Cause if you legit have to leave at thir- every three months and lug that thing, like that can be a pain in the neck. But if you're there for like six months or nine months or whatever it is, like it becomes not as big of a deal yeah. to pick up, to pick up and go, or if you just get used to it, I mean, you get really good at like fixing, not fixing stuff, but there's like talk to other campers. If things are, things are going to break. Like make sure I, I think if you do get a camper, one of the biggest tips I recommend is if you're buying a new camper, change the tires immediate immediately. First thing you do is change all the tires. One of my buddies was a traveler, got his first bought his first camper, driving along with his truck, going to his first ever place of travel, and his tire blew out. Blew out highway. Yeah. Didn't know it was dragging this camper ruining his like you know ruining somebody pulled up beside of him and said hey like your tire blew he goes back and like his camper is just not fried but man like it's you blow a tire and, and something's like hitting the ground or whatever sparks or yeah. whatever like he had to fix so many things on this camper and they call them uh, they call them like bomb tires because the new the tires they put on there typically are not are just to get by just to maybe yeah. i can get on a, a run or look around whatever but put new tires on if you're going somewhere get new some at least if you're driving because he was driving from you know states to states on these tires that obviously was a bad idea yeah. and so and and you get little tips and tricks from other campers you know in the in the winter time i've stayed in there was a polar vortex in one of the places that gage and i both lived in at one time and and uh the it got down to like negative 30 or something with the wind chill and trying to stay like you're it's the camper has limitations of insulation. And so yeah. <laughs> I had, I had my, my heater was constantly, my propane was constantly running. So that kind of, that's going to cost you money. Um, you're ele- I mean, to be fair, nothing is really built for negative 30. So no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, my, my fridge gave out, my fridge broke. Yeah. And so I had to get, I had to, luckily that was still within warranty. So I did get a new fridge put in. I had a heated electric blanket. I had my, my, uh, my heater. I had like a little uh, fireplace that was also like a heat source. And so I had that blow in. It was, it was miserable um, during that. I, it was not just miserable for me and the camper, it was miserable for everybody because it's negative 30 outside. Yeah. And so that's kind of, I mean, that's cold. But it was it was a cool experience. Um, I, I bought a this is like an aside story. I bought a a cooler and used that for a fridge because it was so cold outside that you could just put everything just outside. Stick it outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally put it outside. And I didn't have any water. Water was all everything was frozen, and so I would go to the gym and fill up like jugs of water and use jugs of water for cleaning dishes. For like maybe that sounds like really gross or something. I, I don't know, but um i made do with what i needed to do. 
Anyway. Yeah, like you, you know, sometimes you, you know, I'd clean it, dishes it, it where whatever you got to do. Like, uh, people understand that, like, this is not my home. Like, I'm just making by here, but I, I loved it. Like, it was one of the coolest. Like, looking back, it was a really cool story at the time. Like, man, it was like, this really sucks. Damn, yes, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> it sucks so yeah. bad, yeah. but. But looking back, you're like, I learned a lot of stuff, like how to fix different things. And then we had like an auto leveling system on our camper. And so sometimes the auto leveling wouldn't auto level. And like I slept, it didn't auto level. And it was like scary how it did not like one side was like completely up and the other side was like down. And I don't understand why it would not auto level, but I slept on like one side of the bed because like we were scared to you like roll over to like, I like, or a good gust of wind and like the camper's going over. And so like, there's scary things about yeah. that. I mean, it's probably just as scary as going and staying at somebody's Airbnb or furnished finder home that you, you know, that has like shaky, like not the best lock system or like whatever it yeah. is, like you're not the best neighborhoods. I think yeah. I felt always felt safer probably in the camper because the cool thing was most of the people, you know, you think of camper, you think like sometimes I don't know, mentally I've had people think like shady things, but like there's nothing shady that I really ever experienced in a camper. A lot of yeah. the people that were around me were other nurses, uh, physical yeah. therapists, other people working at the hospital. And so you see the, like all these people in there. I mean, all it's, like, a, it's a campground, right? Not a trailer park. That's yeah, where, yeah, yeah, park yeah, is exactly. where get and, and I think, and I think some people think that's one and the same sometimes. And, and it's not yeah. like it's not a, a trailer park. Like it's, you see all these campgrounds. Yeah, and you see some of these campers, you're like, man, this camper is like, you know, $100,000 camper. This yeah. is like a monstrous or 200, you know, all these super expensive. You're like, these guys, like, this is not, yeah. this is, these people have like a lot of money. And so you're not like worried about these people or the people that are going to try to rob you or something. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I, I think given the opportunity, I would, I would stay in the campground again, for sure. Like yeah. that's one of the coolest experiences you ever get to experience it. I do like your, I agree with your uh, spiel, you know, sentiment, because I did the same thing when I first rented for residency that my renter or rentee, whatever the person landlord yeah. only rented to medical students, residents and fellows for the exact reason that you just mm -hmm. talked about. One, they knew we would be more likely to be professional, not tear stuff up. Right. Two, they knew our income was pretty much guaranteed, which COVID proved right? like we didn't ever stop working even during a pandemic. Right. right. Um, so it was I think landlords really want that security more mm -hmm. so, you know, if they know they can get a good tenant for a good amount of time and they're likely not going to lose any money. It's just easy money, passive money for them. Mm -hmm. So I like the I like the spiel that you say, hey, I'm, this is what I do for a living. This is how long I'll be here. The, I mean, it, I think it's a little different now that I'm going to, I'm about to try and rent in a, you know, where I'm moving. Right. And I'm a little scared because now I think they might take advantage of me, you know, because if they see my, a lot of people want, uh, if you've never yeah. rented before, a lot of people want income, right. proof of income. Right. But I could give them my fellow, you know, W2s from my fellowship, which is not as good as it's what it's going to be. Right. But a lot of renters want X amount more. Yeah. you know, for rent, whatever, for your income versus rent. So right. if they see my income and they're like, oh, you don't make enough, you know, to live here. Yeah. I don't want to show them my real contract because then they're like, well, hmm, now <laughs> I don't rent's think I'm charging you enough. Yeah. Rent's you know? gone up. Yeah. So it yeah. can be that's, tricky. Yeah. That's a crummy thing. I feel like, you know, whatever they want to charge, like they agree to the price. But yeah, I mean, some people, I can imagine that if they see, you're making a substantially lot more than maybe they yeah. feel like, okay, we can get more from this guy because this is where he wants to stay. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I think, so, uh, I, mean, you I mean, in that situation, this is an aside, but if in that situation, I'm just going to walk away. Like for sure. It's not like you're the only house in the area that I'm rent or you're looking to rent. Like if right. you want to be a scumbag, I'm out of here. So <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah. Cause if they're a scumbag, they're going to be a bad landlord. They're going to be a, yeah. it's, it's not worth it. So I, th I think so, I, I haven't had a lot of people that, you know, and, and, when I'm staying at Furnished Finder, I haven't had people ask me for like income statements. Yeah. I feel like, I guess they just believe. I mean, maybe they don't, you don't have to because you say I'm a travel nurse. Yeah, right. So a yeah. quick Google search could say, 
roughly here's what a travel nurse makes so they know um right. you're going to make enough money to live there or they don't care because right. you're going to get the paycheck and you're going to have to pay rent so they're going to get their money regardless so maybe they don't care as much about income right and and i was at one of the places that i ended up not renting at they they told me they're like we get six phone calls a day for this place but i saw your message and you said you were a travel healthcare See? nurse yeah. whatever and we wanted to rent to you first because we wanted to give you the opportunity to take this place first because we want to support the healthcare folks and yeah. we're not trying to charge an arm and a leg we're trying to make some money and mm -hmm. allow you guys to do your jobs and so i was like the spiel was a smart idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean it yeah, can yeah. help i'm sure policemen firefighters i'm sure a whole bunch of emts get all that the same right. thing so you, you right. just have to know when to use your um you know title and when not to use it. i don't tell people that i'm a doctor all the time it's not something yeah, I, yeah. in the daily world so yeah. But if I think it'll help me, of course, I'm going to try and use it. Yeah, I knew somebody who, this is like a crazy story, but I knew somebody who uh, used the, their doctor title a lot. They uh, they actually got a lot of speeding tickets. And oh, so yeah. they, they put their, yeah. they put MD on the back of their car. Yeah. <laughs> so when they get pulled over, maybe the police officer wouldn't wouldn't give them another speeding ticket. Yeah. Uh, but yeah hopefully was, it worked out for him yeah i hope so too <laughs> whatever yeah uh okay so that was kind of like the lodging living thing yeah hopefully that answered some of your guys' questions if you have any more obviously reach out uh, we'll go through the who how you reach out again at the end like we always do the next okay, thing so we're now gonna... you want to do some reddit some reddit stuff yeah let's do it we have a question left over from last time we'll do that after this but i was scrolling and i saw uh, I think it was the ultrasound subreddit. Mm. Uh, so it's it was a question from a patient, and they pretty much wanted to know if their experience was an average experience. So I thought it would be good to go through, since we have both sides of the coin, what an average experience would be for someone that's coming in to get an ultrasound. And I think you can just pick a, it doesn't matter what type. I mean, it does matter what type, but just pick like a basic right upper quadrant or kidney ultra something you know right. super simple so yeah, let's yeah. say the family medicine doctor orders one of these exams the patient you know they put it in however that works the patient shows up at the hospital mm -hmm. to the ultrasound department or waiting room whatever mm -hmm. so then you take over i don't know if you go get them somebody else just take over from when they they show up in they've checked in and they're in the waiting room waiting to be seen yeah. So I think, okay. So yeah, I'll, you know, depending on where you're at, like you said, either we'll go grab them or the aide or, or the somebody will go grab them, put them in the room. I usually have the room pre-set up. And so they're coming in, I got to clean sheets. Um, mm -hmm. say, say we're just going to do like an abdomen ultrasound. And so I'll explain to them what we're doing. Usually like we're doing a right upper quadrant. I'll say, we're going to look at your liver, your pancreas, your gallbladder, your right kidney, common bile duct, portal vein. I want to give that, I want to tell them everything that I'm looking at. And so, because they might have, you know, the family medicine doctor may have said like, oh, we think that there's an issue with your gallbladder. And so they order this. So they think they're coming in. We're just going to do a gallbladder. Some places yep. they just, they, they, they come in and say, okay, we're going to look at your gallbladder. But I want to let them know that, you know, if I'm not just looking at one organ. So if my exam takes me 15 minutes, I haven't just spent one, 15 minutes looking at your one organ, having you mm -hmm. roll on your side. And with a gallbladder, we also have to have you at least roll left lateral uh, on your left side to uh to 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 roll to see if any if you have any stones if any stones are rolling yeah move yeah or moving or sludge or, or any you know issues with kind of, kind of a thing it just allows us to see the gallbladder better in two different ways um and so i think that i usually will tuck in a towel to their shirt we're trying to keep the gel off the clothes the best they can although the gel won't hurt your clothes a little bit of water come right out it's water water soluble gel that we use we use a warmer. I've worked at places that don't have warmers for what I thought that was standard. We use a warmer here reason. too. We had, I worked at a place that they didn't. So you have to be able to, I don't know if it's Jayco or whatever DM, DNV or whatever DMV that you have to be able to tell what temperature the gel is. It's Cause I have to know that I'm not going to burn you. And so this yeah. place didn't have a way of reading the temperature 
so they just got rid of all warmers because it was just like a generalized standard like you put it in and it would make it warm but so it's just room temperature gel yeah uh depending on how cold that room is yeah Yeah. and so you like you hit them with that and they're just like whoa you know whatever it is and like anybody would be like somebody the cold gel and what's funny is a lot of my patients now I tell them, you know, I'm going to put some cold gel on your body. And I like, I don't know. I say that because when I hit them with the warm gel, they're like pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And so, cause a lot of patients are like, yeah, like even, you know, I've had, I've had patients that they're like, I don't know, like their moms were in the room they were, they were a little younger or whatever. And they're like their mom, when they had their pregnancy ultrasound, they had a, they had cold gel 20 years ago or whatever it was. Yeah, of course. And so they're like telling them like, get ready for the cold stuff. And then you throw it on, you put them on, and they're like, oh, it's really warm. Nothing's changed in 20 years, but yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, get ready for the cold gel. And then you hit them, and then they're like pleasantly surprised. And I feel like maybe you get better better reviews if, you, if they're expecting it's cold gel and you put yeah. something on them that's warm. And so I think that's like a, like a little thing that I put in there. Tuck, the, tuck towels and whether you need to put it in the pants or the shirt or, or wherever, you know, how, mm-hmm. wherever you think you might get gel on their clothes. We try to keep them as clean as possible i think it's you know it's impossible for it, their skin to not feel sticky the gel just feels sticky after you wipe it off until you put some water on it and rinse it off um you you have them throughout the this particular exam they'll probably have to take in deep breaths and hold yeah. it just because if you're you know as you're breathing your your organs are moving your diaphragm and so everything goes kind of up and down. It's kind of like trying to take a picture while you're like driving down the road. And so yeah. sometimes you'd go to a stop sign and, and you're just, you know, you're not breathing for that half of a second as you're exhaling, finishing exhaling or finishing inhaling. And so I'll catch a picture there, but I'll have you take a deep breath and hold it. It kind of brings everything down and, and stops the movement. And so I can get some better images. And so that's like a common thing if you're getting an abdominal ultrasound so expect to have a towel tucked in expect to have hopefully warm gel maybe cold um taking deep breaths and holding it probably could be a lot of times there's no like set number and i think another question that i get often is how many images am i going to take like how many pictures am i going to take and and for that there's no set answer i've worked at hospitals that have protocols put put in and so you take the same 50 images or fame 60 images or whatever that is but Mm -hmm. you also if if i see something it goes from that 50 images to maybe i'm taking 75 images because i need to evaluate something a little more closely um i I, and and so i think there's that built into place so sometimes you i guess you can give a generalized answer if you yourself know based on the right upper quadrants or abdomen or whatever exams that you've done i know i take about this many images just to kind of get them an understanding. Maybe they count the pictures because you can hear the noise. I think I don't think I've ever worked on a machine that doesn't make this like whenever you take the yeah. picture uh, or whatever that sounds like. I don't know. Um, I think so. Those are some of the big questions. I think that if you're coming in for an exam to expect, maybe at some point we'll go over like other modalities, well, CTs or MRIs, yeah. nuclear things. Like Gage will probably go into deeper with that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, I think that's usually covered. And then obviously at the end of the exam, every, not every patient, but I'm going to say every patient asked me, you know, what are the results? And then that's when yeah. I have to say, you know, your doctor should be the one to go over those results. Typically we get the results to your doctor in X amount of days. And then, you know, your doctor should reach out to you within two business days or, or wh- however, sometimes mm-hmm. some doctors, some doctors are, are mid-level practitioners, whatever, whoever they're going to see. Um, they'll have them set up for another appointment or sometimes they just give them a phone call. I know Gage is one of his favorite things they use now is that my chart. Um, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We can, I will get, I'll finish. I'll finish. Yeah. And then, so I'll I'll say, you know, they'll get in touch with you or or sometimes, and, and this is to not like, I don't want anybody to be afraid, but if I, you know, if somebody goes out and says, Hey, I'm going to grab another sonographer to take another look. We're not giving you like, don't be afraid of doing that. We're essentially getting either a second opinion or we want to be justified on our opinion or yeah. we just, I want somebody maybe with who has more experience with seeing something we're doing what's best for your care. It's like, you know, another doctor who 
you know, for an example, a doctor who talks to another doctor who just wants, you know, I'm thinking this, what are you thinking? And so we're trying to do what's best for you. And sometimes another yeah. stenographer will come in and take another second look at one particular thing or, or whatever that is. Sometimes the radiologist comes in and they want to take a look for themselves. They look at the images and they're just like, okay, I, I believe you, but I kind of want to see it for myself. Cause sometimes you, you know, it's kind of like watching, uh, watching a movie or something you're like okay i believe it but like if you were there when it happened yeah oh i saw with my own two eyes like so sometimes they want to come in and take a look as well and these are all like common normal things that happen on a day-to-day basis and so this is not out of the ordinary for it to happen so i don't want people to think like oh no like that's probably the first thing that goes to their mind is like oh no something's wrong Right. Like you brought back a second person, like something right. has to be wrong. Now they're panicking, you know, right. justifiably if they don't, you know, sure. they don't understand what's going on. So I think yeah. that's a good point to know that sometimes yeah. it's just, you know, even like you said, other doctors, radiologists who do it all the time. Mm-hmm. If you have like a, depending on how your setup is in terms of your reading room, if it's a community room, it's super easy. You mm-hmm. can, we just ask, right. We just look over and ask, Hey, yeah. I have this case. Can you take a quick look? You know, right. like you said, I think it's, x what do you think and they're like oh maybe it could be maybe it's also y or z right so yeah it's not a bad thing yeah i found that it's easier to group think right groups or you think of more mm-hmm. um, and it's easier if you talk it out loud which is usually yeah. what we do as radiologists we talk about it out loud and you're like oh yeah now that we're talking about it i think of this too so right it's not a it's not always a bad thing yeah and even your mechanic i mean if you get your car fixed i'm sure that there's certain oh, they, things everybody does it yeah. yeah everybody everybody communicates with each other if they have a question or if you just sometimes you just want confirmation you're like i'm 100 percent sure this is right but you know on the off chance that you disagree yeah. with me i would rather you take a look at it and if we agree that's great and so i think so yeah and i think and then from there i would you know show you the way out or the person would take you out yeah. we would clean up clean up afterwards and and that would be the end of yeah. your exam that's something like i guess so yeah then when you're done with your part mm-hmm. i don't know if it works this way everywhere but usually where i've been you guys come back to us with the images and i think i i don't know how most radiologists feel about this but i would prefer you do it before you send the patient home that way if i'm like oh, i need you to go back mm-hmm. and get more images of this so hopefully you've done it before yeah. if not then we have to call the patient back it's not a big deal but it's inconvenient for them unfortunately but yeah, so yeah. what happens is when he finishes, he gets his images, he sends them through to the our, the packs is, is what it's called to look at the images. And then he'll come back and usually you guys have like a sheet or something, whether it's a standardized sheet or just a piece of paper that you have filled out that says, here's what I think I saw. Um, and then we look at the images, right? Mm-hmm. And you tell us, this is what I saw. And then the radiologist will say, yes, no, yada, 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 whatever. So we kind of look at the images briefly with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we give the okay, you go back and then you, you're like, okay, you know, whatever. Patient, the radiologist is fine. We can let you go, whatever. Um, so then you finish you finish the setup. You send the rest of everything through. So now it's finally ready to be dictated. So it will show up on our list. And then we click it. We know briefly, most radiologists remember, oh, this is what Dennis said, but if not, at least where I trained for residency, they scanned it in. Your piece of paper was also part of the data set. Right. So we can look. If we don't remember what you said, we just scrolled over the piece of paper and said, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. So then we formally interpret it, which is where we dictate it. We put our thoughts on the paper, give the, the findings, the impression, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, depending on how long it takes. Once you're done, you, you finalize it, and then it goes out into the ether, um, which is where Dennis brought up my chart. I think in the in the previous, you know, you know, 10, 15 years, the person that ordered it would be the person that tells you what it says, mm-hmm. which is probably why most people don't know that radiology exists. And they probably think the ordering provider read it and then this is what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that probably still happens, but with the invention mm-hmm. of my chart, this the the person on Reddit actually, that's how they found out, is they said they left thirty minutes, I think, and like thirty to forty five minutes later they're report what's in the my chart because it was a negative exam so the radiologist was a negative boom done yeah so i think in today's day and age the report if you have a my chart or whatever it's called at your institution where you have access to your records it will be available you know pretty soon after we read it i don't know what the 
you know, if it's a day or two to whatever, but um, it will be available probably in your MyChart before you, your ordering provider gets the results. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, that's how most people find out um, is through the MyChart. We talked off camera, I'm not a huge fan of MyChart. I think it's good to have access to your own medical records, obviously. But I think when it comes to, there's two specifically, radiology and pathology. Just to be frank, the average person is not going to have a, a clue as to what we're saying in that report. Right. So then you're trying to interpret. It's like speaking a different language. You're trying to interpret this report that you don't know anything about. You can't look at the images more than, unless you're a radiologist. You don't know what you're looking at on the images either. Right. Um, so I think it creates a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we mention maybe not ultrasound, but a whole bunch of incidental stuff. Mm-hmm. If if you're a radiologist that mentions, and I'm not a huge incidental guy, so if I see a granuloma or something, I usually don't. Mm-hmm. But if you mention it, my mom actually, I don't know, a month ago got a, a chest CT maybe. Mm-hmm. And it said granuloma. And she's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, this is what, you know, this is why I don't re- put this stuff in there. Yeah. Because now I have to, either you're going to freak out and be like, oh God, what's a granuloma? Right. Even though in the Midwest, it's everybody has it. Yeah. So it's a benign thing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, do I really want to put the patient through the, right. this the anxiety thing. of either you have to look up a granuloma, you're going to ask somebody or you're going to ask your doctor and then what right. if they don't know what it is. Right. So I think it's just a slippery slope for people yeah. to have access to the, to the report itself. Right. Um, so, and, I mean, I get it, but it, it's tough. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's, it's nice because they have the opportunity, they have the access to their results and they can, you know, if you're going, if you're going from one state to state and, and you need to show, your new doctor, these results, like you have your, my chart and I can pull this up and they can yeah. review what the, what the radiologist said. But if you yourself are looking at it instead of following back up with your doctor and them explaining to you exactly what all this means and you're just using it just for yourself, I think, yeah, that's like a, you know, you don't want to Google, Google yourself into oblivion yeah. and be confused on what are the next steps that I need to take trying to figure it out yourself. And so, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I used to car example in the past. It's like, I'm not a, I'm not a mechanic. So I don't know yeah. if you say all these like random car things to me, I have no, no idea. I, no, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I like, no, I need to talk to a mechanic about it who probably knows. And so with you guys, the same, I mean, the same, same concept, like I need to follow up with my doctor. I need to not just take this upon myself to, to understand what's, what it means. Um, and so it's, it, it's got, it's got its benefits and it's deficient. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. That's quick turnaround. 30, 35 minutes. Like that's, that's I mean, it depends on where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. We read for fellowship. We read everything within a 24 hours. So it's a, at least a minimum one, you know, a maximum one day turnaround time. If you're at a group, another side, radiology is very short, right? They're just not enough of us. So some, if you go to like a, a, a smaller private practice group, you could be waiting I read a Doximity article that said like one to six weeks. These guys were just so far behind. They're just getting buried, which is yeah. dangerous. That's another store, another, you know, topic for a different day. But yeah, I don't want to, I don't want people to think 30 minutes is, is standard. It's not standard <laughs> yes. unless it's, a, unless it's a stat study, right, if it's right. a stat study, then we have an hour to turn it around. But yeah, the, your time will vary. I think my point was just, usually we read it long before you get the results. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're if you're waiting on results, more than likely it's not because of us. It's just your provider hasn't called right. to talk to you about it. So right. And I think I threw I threw that in my spiel too because I always say that like our our rad will have this red within uh, probably today. It'll be done within yeah. most likely today, and then we send the results to your ordering provider, whomever that is, and then they'll get it within we say two to three business days, and then that's on them to yeah. you know either call you with those results or do you need to reach out to them and set up another appointment? Like I always make sure that I, I, I want to tell the patients because I don't want, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't speak for anybody else, but I feel like maybe somebody can forget and not, and realize they didn't go over re- results with them. Oh, very I've had, easily. Yeah. I've had patients come in and tell me, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. So I saw you had a CT a year ago and you have gallstones and we're going to look at the gallstones today. And they're like, I don't have, I have no idea. Like yeah. I didn't know I had gallstones. And you're like, okay like well i hate i don't mean to be the person to inform you but like i looked at your report and according to your report that's what it says and, yeah. and i can't necessarily but i can't blame them because i mean they could look at the report and have no idea what that means yeah and so somebody needs to 
No, it's on the ordering provider to yeah, the ordering provider needs go through that. Yeah, obligation to follow up with them and make sure that they have an understanding of what's going on and what's next. So I, I think uh, I think it has its benefits for sure. And all you know, another aside. And so at the place that you're at, I've worked at other places that for the sonographer impression, it's something that we just do digitally. And so we write it and and then it comes to you guys and you can see just what we've written. And so we don't have to scan in those worksheets, which I think the worksheets yeah. are beneficial because especially if you wanted me to write, like if I'm doing a, a carotid or a kidney or whatever, and yeah. you want me to like circle where the cyst is on the kidney or tell you like, I'm I think it's especially helpful for vascular stuff. Oh, for sure. So you can tell me where it's at, mm-hmm. you know, a DVT, whatever. I think the carotids, I think that's helpful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's had its benefits uh, with the worksheets versus just digitally writing it out or, or whatever it is. The future would be like, it'd be nice to have something, a digital worksheet that I could just write it on there and then it just automatically scans it in. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. That's just thinking. Sure it happen. Yeah, it should, it should already All exist. Right. We're getting close. Do you want to do the pet peeves or do you want to do the question? That We'll pick one or the other. Let's let's do let's do the question. The fun question. That's what you like. Let's do the fun oh, question. Oh yeah, it's my favorite part. Your favorite this one's part. a little more. I tried to in the past we picked kind of less serious mm-hmm. topics. This one's a little bit more serious, and I don't know where I got the idea. I think I just thought of this on my own. Yeah. But so the today's question will be: If you were going to start a charity, mm-hmm. what you know type of charity would you pick, and why? I think, and I've, I've thought about this, I feel like the type of charity that I wouldn't want to start would be something to do with, like, alcoholics. Okay. Um, I, I have a, 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 I know a lot of people that struggle with alcoholism. I Obviously, mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of patients that continue to be out. I think once, obviously, yeah. once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, even after you start, stop drinking, because the next drink could cause you to go back set it off yeah uh, yeah set it off and so even if you've like i think chris carter famous wide receiver always said like i'm still an alcoholic i haven't had a drink in 30 years or whatever it is but i'm yeah. still an alcoholic because one drink and i'll go back um and so i see patients all the time with paracentesis that are fluid because they can't stop drinking and so i've had a lot of family that have been alcoholics and so i'd want to create i'd love to have like a charity that allows people to go through rehab and detox that sets them up to talk to the therapists and the yeah. appropriate amount of people to where they can forever kick this habit that ruins families and lives. And, you know, if you're not able to drink responsibly, which I know a lot of, like you meet a lot, I admit people that should never obviously drink um, a drop in their life and it can, I've seen it directly influence families and destroy people. And so I think if I could have a charity that could help people that maybe, you know, like people that need to be off work for a month or for mm-hmm. or a longer period, extended period of time, but you can't afford to be off not working because I got to pay my bill, yeah. whatever it is. So if I could have a center that you could come and not work, just focus on your health, focus on whatever we need, whatever they need to work on that's out of my wheelhouse. Um, but that's, that's what I would love to, to have a charity that would, would help maybe save lives, families, kids. Yeah. Drunk. I mean, every, every, everything that this, that this affects, you know, negative alcohol is a huge, huge issue. So that would be a good one. Yeah. And it's not something you think about in terms of quitting. Everyone thinks quitting, right? You think of that part, but you don't think of, the steps it takes to get there, the steps after, right? you know, if someone and, quits. Right. The detox process. And I, I've directly noticed, had somebody in my life that recently went through a detox and, sa- and sadly went back to, to drinking. But no, um, I mean, detox for alcoholism specifically is life threat. It can kill you. Yeah. So it's a huge deal. It's not like, um, yeah. I mean, weed, I guess, if you're trying to, you know, quote unquote detox or marijuana, it's not, that's not going to kill you, but, Right. DT from alcoholism can kill you right. and, and has killed people. So right, right, yeah. It's a it's a scary it's a scary thing to just and I mean that you know the people that and it's and it's interesting that I won't get into all the social stuff, but like if you go out somewhere and you don't have a drink, the 
people are wondering why you know why aren't you drinking oh i can yeah i can speak to that because i think i think you mentioned in one of i don't drink for Mm -hmm. the exact reason that you're talking about yeah i have experienced it as well but you get it's you're almost like the to use my hair color you're the redheaded stepchild right like (laughs) everyone's like you're the odd man out why are you not drinking it's kind of weird and yeah in reality it's like no it's kind of weird that you guys are so heavily involved and like drinking is the center of like we're at a a baseball game but drinking is the center of what you're doing right you know then we go to the we go to dinner and still drinking is no i'm not the weird one here you know you guys are kind of the ones that are right and and they want you want to know why like why you know and it's they always want to know why it's such a weird thing that people want to know why are you not doing something that we're all engaged in and it's usually like a a personal reason right so if you're out having fun Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, why don't you drink? You're instantly going to kill the mood if you tell them why you don't drink. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't, some, if I'm, I mean, I've told my friends, I tell you guys why I don't drink, but right. if I'm like meeting a person, like I'm on a date for the first time and right. she's like, why don't you drink? I'm like, uh, you know, we're not going to, I would instantly kill the mood and I'm just yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. the overall point is just know that the person has a reason for not wanting to drink. Why? It doesn't matter why. Right. Just don't ask them and give them yeah. water or whatever they're drinking, you know, buy them that, that stuff. But right. just don't ask why. I, I agree. I agree. And then, I mean, and I think, and I, sometimes I think about like, if I could get some of those, and I don't even know if it'd make a difference, like similar, like when you're training for your driver's ed training and they show you all these like crazy car wrecks and stuff like that to kind of like scare you into mm-hmm. driving safer. If I could show some of these people who are alcoholics, who we have you know, every once a week coming in to have fluid drained from their belly yeah. and they continue to drink, like, would that be like a scared straight, another method? I, I don't know, but I, I would love to create something for people who are struggling, but want help. Yeah. Um, and, and be able to help those folks that know, okay, I can't, I can't not be off my job for a, a month, two months, whatever it is. But yeah. I, I or, want yeah, if you cover this. living expenses and you know that kind of yeah, yeah, that's a good, I never thought about that part. That's a good thought. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, that's mine's not even remotely as <laughs> deep as that. Yeah. I think mine I, is. I don't think it's a bigger issue. Yours is more personal and it's related to health, so I think it hits a little. It hits a chord more. Mm-hmm. Mine is also personal, but it's not like ruining my life or anything like that. Yeah. So I've always, I think I've told you what I wanted to do, but I've thought of this before. As a uh, doctor, I have just a massive amount of student debt, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not the only one that has student debt. The the bubble for loan debt is massive. Right. I'm sure if you talk to some economists, it could, you know, it's the, it could collapse the economy, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my thought was wanting to create something to pay off people's loans, mm-hmm. right? You would, I would specifically avoid high income earners like myself. I wouldn't pay off other doc, other doctors loans, right? Cause we're going to make enough money mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. Um, so I would like to focus on people that are either way behind or they, they mm-hmm. can't, they just can't keep up with, you know, you see stories all the time of I've paid $26,000 mm-hmm. in loans on a $30,000 loan, but I still owe $26,000 because sure. they just can't keep up with the interest. Right. Uh, and the, these loan companies are very, it's predatory, right? It's mm-hmm. crazy. I signed loans at like 18. I had no idea what I was signing. No. None. No. And if I didn't become a doctor, I would be hosed mm-hmm. at this point in time. I couldn't pay <laughs> that done. stuff back. And, so. Yeah. As Gary, v was, says, yeah, Gary V yeah. says, he's like, uh, if you sign for a loan for debt that you literally can't go bankrupt and get rid of, like. Yeah. I mean, nobody tells you that when you're 18. Yeah, it's easy to say that when Gary Vee's fifty or however old. Like it's easy to say that. Yeah. But when you're yep. eighteen, you come from lower middle class, whatever we came from. That my parents were not informed on this. Right. They just knew I was going to college and they needed we. I needed money for it, so they had to co-sign the loans. And nobody, you know, you just don't you don't teach this stuff in high school. So if I could create something, some kind of like recurring not profit organization where people essentially would donate. Right. The right. thought would be to get famous people involved yeah. and they could donate. And then you just call one of these companies and I don't know how it works, but if you just call them and say, pick somebody, pay it off. Mm-hmm. And then in theory, it would become a domino effect, right? Like the more the people you pay off would then donate whatever they could 
mm-hmm. to keep the ball rolling. So you would just have this recurring donation that would then you could just keep paying people's loans. Right. So not realistic. I'm sure. I'm sure there's other companies that do it, but mm-hmm. I think student loan debt is just something that's personal to me, and it's a huge issue currently yeah. in America. And, yeah, it, it, it cripples. You know, and I've, I've thought so much about the student loan crisis. I mean, I thought about and I think I think the biggest thing with the student loan thing is is interest rates. I think interest rates just destroy. Yeah. people. I mean, because you might be able to, you know, if you want to get a house and you want to buy a it's half a million dollar home, I'm going to look at how much you're making, how much blah, 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 and decide you can't afford a half million dollar home or you can't afford whatever that is. Yeah. But if you want to go to school and spend a half a million dollars to go to school, no problem. We'll give that to you. And yeah. and that's, that's great. If they become something that they're making, you know, a, a lot of money a year and they can pay back that half a million, million dollar, whatever, whatever loan yeah. or they have family members that are going to kick in and, and help them out. Um, I think that's great. Uh, I think a lot of people get debts, in different degrees that doesn't pay as well. And they wanted to go to a, a private school or they made, you know, you just, you don't know, you go to this school and you don't realize how expensive it is at 18, how much, maybe you don't necessarily know how much that dollar is really worth or those thousands of dollars. And you real you don't realize that I owe, you know, 200,000 or $300,000 and I make $80,000 a year. And so to pay that back, it's going to take me, 20 years or you know whatever whatever that is and then and then you're throwing i'm going to throw you eight percent interest on top of it i think i think if we could i think if they could find a way to lower interest rates i mean you can't make interest rate zero because then no one will ever pay it back yeah Uh, but i think if you could make it you know two percent three something that's low enough to where it's still gaining money for whomever it is you're not completely destroying somebody and then having a system created in place, like you said, that we give back. I mean, some countries college is free. It's paid for by the government, Yeah, but your taxes are substantially higher. Higher. And so it's, it's, you know, and then you get into the debate where people said, you know, I paid for my own school. Why do I have to pay for your school? (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't want my taxes to be higher because I paid a half a million dollars in student debt. Why don't you pay yours? And, and we have different things in place, but I think having another separate program, because this is America and you do have, if you occur debt, you have to pay for your debts with schooling. I, I think that would be a great thing to have to, to, for people who are better off or for people who can afford it. If you're paying, you know, if you, if you have a recurring, you're like your Netflix account, 10, you know, it's $15 a month. And so $15 a month I put into this pool that, is completely a hundred percent of all proceeds are, are donated to paying off student debts and people apply for their student debts to be paid off. And it's picked whoever, you know, you're going to pay down or pay off. I think yeah. it would, I think it would make the most amount of sense that you can pay off people. Cause then if that person gets paid off, maybe they're more likely to say, okay, well, mine was my 50,000 was paid off. I can afford $10 a month for, 10 years yeah, exactly. for the rest of my life or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's kind of people helping people. And it eliminates the the crowd that you mentioned about, Oh, I paid mine off. Why can't you, you know, cause if you don't want to do it, then you don't do it. It's a mm-hmm. voluntary basis. Right. So you can't bitch and moan that you're paying off someone else's loans. Cause it's just voluntary. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of people that would want to, that would help. Oh, um, sure. And it's a huge, I mean, you're, you're, it's like twofold. You're helping out the person. You're also, in some regard, helping out the, you know, the government and the economy because you're, this bubble is, I mean, it's a mess. The amount of student debt, loan debt is incredible. And it's yeah. only going to keep going up until something drastic happens. Right. So, you know, it, it'd be nice it, to help. It'll truly, and you're correct. I mean, I've seen a lot of economists say that this is going to cripple our economy. This is going to destroy our economy because the amount of debts, I think if you could even make it like a tax write-off for people, if it's, yeah. if you're doing it'll, it'll cripple the economy right after I make my last pay off all your debt yeah. it cripples and everything they decide to step in you know that's 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 the world you, you can't you just go along you do your best whatever if it, yeah. 
if they end up paying. All right, so those were your your those were a little deeper. Right? We don't usually do serious. No, no, no. Yours was way deeper than mine. But well, uh, when you said that, I really like you were like and think about, about it. it. Yeah. I was like, okay, let me really think about this, and so I put some yeah. thought into it. Um, All right, so. we've reached the sixty minute mark again somehow. <laughs> somehow, so. every episode. I'm sorry, guys. We we just we kill it in time. We're trying. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you give the okay social media stuff. See if you remember it. Yeah. So reach out to us, Instagram, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Rad underscore Talk underscore DG. If I said that right, correct me. If I said it wrong. So uh, yeah, so the TikTok and Instagram, that's it's Rad that's underscore it. Talk underscore DG. I right. think for Spotify, Pod Podbean, and oh, yeah. Apple, it's you just search Rad Talk. Rad Talk, right, right, and right. we'll we'll show up. So email Rad Talk with DG at Gmail dot com. I remember that one. I'm, I'm yeah. With any questions, yeah. Or, or, hit us up on, or Reddit, you know, or Gage is on Reddit. I am on Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do some perusing. See if I can get some promotion going. But right, but we look forward. We'll have another episode out for you guys. I don't know. We're knocking these things out, so we'll, I don't know when we're gonna. We are. Yeah, we recorded this back to back, but you guys won't hear it until. Yeah, I don't know, know a week from now or whatever. But yeah, who knows? But all right. Well, regardless, talk to you guys soon. Take care. All right. See you in the next.